Thank you, Katie. John Wesley said it this way, the best is yet to be. Do you believe it? I hope you do, because I believe the best is yet to be. Today and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about heaven and, uh, and what heaven is like and what we think it will be like. But I'm always fascinated, though, that when it comes to heaven, uh, many Christians are confused about what heaven will be like. In fact, there are some who dread the idea of heaven and don't even want to talk about heaven. But I think it's such an important aspect of our faith, of who we are in God. I was reading last semester uh, in Hebrews. I think it was a part of our uh, Bible reading plan. And I was reading Hebrews and I got to our verse that we have this morning. And when I began to read that verse, I was stopped in my tracks. In fact, when I got to that phrase, a better country, I knew immediately that we were going to be doing a series on heaven. I was just overwhelmed by it. So I want us to read that passage again, these incredible words of promise that we have. Uh, I love the image and the beauty that is painted in this picture. Let's read it again. All of these died in faith without having received the promises. The author of Hebrews has just listed out these great patriarchs of our faith. But from a distance, they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth for people who speak in this way, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would, not, would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. As I said, when I read those words, they desired a better country. I just stopped and I just lingered on that phrase for a while and thought about the glory of that image, a better country. That is all of our longings, I believe. We all have this longing for our true home, this longing for home. And so uh, I was just moved. I, I, I had this longing when I, when I read those words. As I said, I think many of us, though, are confused about what heaven is going to be like. So I want us to try to clear up some misconceptions. And I, and I pray that at the end of this series, you have a deeper longing for home as well. So why is it that people, especially Christians, uh, are confused about heaven or don't have a positive image about what heaven is going to be like? And I think it boils down to a couple of things. But the first is stories. The story we've been told about heaven. And sometimes we have a misplaced idea of heaven. And so let me give you an example. Uh, and this illustration comes from a great book uh, called Heaven in the Afterlife by Jim Garlow, who's a great pastor. But he, he says this, picture this. We're going camping. Are you ready? Here we go. You're getting all your gear loaded up. 
packed up into the car. You're loading up all the food and your tent and sleeping bag and you drive for several hours getting into the wilderness and you start unloading your gear. You, you set up the tent and you get your sleeping bag out. You're sleeping in the tent and you get, uh, go start finding wood for the, for the fire. It's a cool night. Maybe you're going fishing for a while as well. And then uh, later that evening as it's cold and dark, you can see the stars in the sky. And you get excited because you're going to be able to sleep in a tent in nature and hear the sounds of nature all around you and get away from it all. Doesn't it sound great? Well, it depends. Right? Depends on who you are. Right? Uh, for some of you, you have great experiences of camping, and you're like, I'm in. Let's go now. Right? And for others of you, you would rather have a tax audit than to go sleep in a sleeping bag in a tent, right? But here's the fascinating thing. For many of you, it, so many nowadays have never even been camping, but you automatically have this idea of what it's gonna be like. And so many times it's because of the stories we've been told growing up. Maybe you've been told these great stories of camping and it, and it excites you, and, and for others, you've been told other stories and it's not really exciting. And so we have this skewed image, maybe, of what camping will be like. And what makes the difference between these two extremes, a lot of times, is the stories we hear. By telling stories, though, we can help get a better picture of what heaven is going to be like. By telling stories, we gather up these threads of our human existence and we weave them together to seek to create a world that's exciting. And we know that Jesus in the Bible, he told stories all the time and he talked about heaven and he gave us these images. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a man who had a pearl or the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who found her lost coin or the kingdom of heaven is like a, a good shepherd who had a hundred sheep. One was lost and he went to go find that lost sheep. Stories help us to know how to live, but they also help equip us on how to die as well. And ancient Christians knew how to tell the stories of life and of death. They gave comfort and hope. Too often we're afraid to talk about what happens after death. Like it is a big mystery. It is a mystery. But the Bible has given us much to think about and know about what happens after death. See, we should embrace, I hope, this better country, this image that we have. But too often we are confused. Too often we've been kind of spoon-fed these boring images of heaven that don't excite us. I don't know about you, but growing up, this was my image of heaven. I would uh, be in the clouds, dressed in some white robe with wings, playing a harp for all of eternity. I think I got that image from Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> Any of you have that similar image of, of heaven, ever had that image of heaven? I can't think of anything more boring uh, than to sit around in the clouds playing the harp. I can't even play the harp. In fact, if you Google an image of heaven, this is most likely the type of image that will come up right there. That's the image that we get in Google of heaven. And I think it is a skewed image 
of heaven. Just as our image of camping oftentimes depends on the stories we are told, so our image of heaven is often skewed because of the tor- stories we've been told as well. But, but think about this. this. This promise, this promise of a better country, the promise of a true home, the promise of eternal life, why does it bring dread and fear to so many? We talked about Stories, but I think another reason is because of the enemy, Satan. Scripture tells us that the devil does all he can to seek to kill, steal, and destroy. And he desires that our joy of this better country is taken away as well. Satan doesn't have to convince us that heaven isn't real, although he has convinced many, even some Christians, that heaven is not real. All he has to do is convince us that it's no big deal, that we can be robbed of the joy of this better country. That we won't be motivated to share our faith. Why would we want to if we have no joy in what's coming next? So we must resist these lies and look again to scripture to remind us of what is to come. So, do you wanna know what heaven is gonna be like? How do you describe the indescribable? Words indeed fall short, but we do have a picture and the biblical writers give us a picture of what heaven would be like and feel like. But let me help and try to help you. In fact, are you ready? Here's your picture. There's heaven. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and it was good. And God created a garden. And in that garden, he placed mankind, Adam and Eve. And they were called to tend and take care of the garden. It was paradise. It was good. And they dwelled with God and God dwelled with them. This was God's design since the beginning of creation. For you and I to dwell in paradise with him forever. For us to work and tend the garden. Not the drudgery of much of our work today. But the type of work that fills you up and gives you that sense and the feeling of accomplishment and goodness and camaraderie. But what happened? God took an amazing risk. The risk of love. He gave us free will to love him or not. To trust him to tell us what was good and evil. What a risk. And we know what choice we took. We, we didn't trust God and we desired to decide for ourselves what was good and evil. And we broke the world. Make no mistake. I believe we have broken the world. The consequence of our sin and depravity have resulted in murder and chaos and wars and hopelessness and evil. But beyond that, we broke the natural order of the world as well. Earthquakes, hurricanes, tsunamis and floods. They aren't natural, though. They're the result of our brokenness. We broke the world. But here's the amazing thing to me. God did not give up on his good creation. He could have just destroyed the world and all of us. He almost did with Noah. But God's creation was good. And he has planned since the beginning not to destroy the world, but to redeem the world to restore the world, to replenish the world, to remove the stain of sin and destruction. He is going to recreate his original good creation. For God so loved the world. 
that he gave. And we see that promises throughout scripture and it culminates in this glorious vision in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21, one through seven. You might wanna go back and read it later, but we're gonna read it now. It says this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away and the one who is seated on the throne said, see, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things and I will be their God and they will be my children. What an incredible vision. I love that text. Such a beautiful image. I love the image it gives. The Bible is bookended with heaven and earth. And so I want us to have this idea, this understanding of what what it's like and what it will be like. So I brought with me my visual aids for us this morning. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is the earth represented before the fall and before the brokenness of the world. And so we have that in Genesis 1 and 2. And then in Revelation 21, we have this promise of a new heaven and a new earth. And we live in the in-between. This is where we are right now, the in-between. The first earth and the first heaven and the new heaven and the new earth. Can, can you get this image? God's creation was good and he wants to recreate it, not destroy it. He wants to redeem it. He wants to restore it. He wants to re-everything it. And so we have this hope for this new heaven and new earth. It's not a new heaven and a new earth. It is heaven and earth coming together where God will dwell with us forever. But we live in the in-between and this is, this is kind of what we're worried about, right? The in-between. That's in the future, but that's the joy of the future that we have. And we're gonna talk more about what this is gonna be like next week as well. But But what happens here? When our loved ones die, this is what I believe, and I think scripture attests to this as well. We live on this first earth that has been marred by sin and brokenness. And when we die, I believe we will go either to heaven or hell immediately upon death. We will dwell in what I call the in-between, the first heaven. And in this first heaven is where all of our loved ones in Christ are dwelling right now with Jesus. But there will come a day when we will go, the old will be passed away and the new will be recreated. So some Christians though believe that this in-between space, that we just go into the grave and we stay in the grave until Christ comes again. You might call it soul sleep. 
I don't believe that. And, but there's a, a text from 1 Thessalonians that, that kind of alludes to this image and some other images in scripture. In fact, let's uh, put that scripture up if you don't mind. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, this is Paul speaking, uh, with the archangels call and with the sound of God's trumpet will descend from heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. There's that image. Then all who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So that's the text that kind of many Christians say is, is part of that idea that we are in the grave in the in-between, between the old heaven and the new heaven and the new earth. But see, I believe that passage is looking forward to this time when we will receive our recreated bodies and they will be perfect in Christ. And so I don't believe it's saying that we're staying in the ground until then, but that we are with Christ. In fact, two scriptures to look at that. Luke 23, 42 and 43 says this. You know the text. Jesus is on the cross. And the thief says, remember me. And what does Jesus say to the thief? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. Today. And also, Paul, again, in Philippians 1, 23 and 24, he says this, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. So even Paul had this idea. He knew that to die was to be in the presence of Christ. So that Thessalonians text and others like it are reminding us in the in-between, we are with Christ. But all is not made new yet, is it? We just have to look around and realize that. But it is the deposit for the future, knowing that in this time, all tears, all pain, all death is done forever. That's the hope we have of heaven. And so that's the image I want you to have when you think about heaven, not playing a harp in the clouds, unless you like playing harps in clouds, which is fine, then you might be able to. See, but that's, we're in the in-between time, looking forward to the final restoration. For those of us in Christ, we will be ushered into the presence of Jesus, awaiting that final paradise, awaiting our final recreated bodies, what I call the, the first heaven, the in-between this first heaven is glorious. It is good, it is paradise, but it isn't the final heaven. When Christ comes back, he will bring the new heaven and the new earth, as Revelation tells us. It's in this final restoration that we will have a recreated heaven and earth. We will have our new resurrected bodies. We will live in the Garden of Eden again, as was God's plan from the beginning. God is merging heaven and earth and his dwelling will be with us forever, for all eternity. So we look forward in anticipation for that day, for this new heaven and new earth. It will be like this earth, but better. We can catch glimpses of heaven if we look for them, but we have to look for them. In fact, next week we're gonna talk about that we live in the shadow lands of heaven. And there are times when you're on this earth that in the side of your eye, in the corner of your eye, you can see oh, there, 
That was heaven. That is heaven. We are built with this longing for home. This longing for the Garden of Eden, a perfect world, a better country. That's the joy we have. Let us pray. How we thank you, O God, for this promise of a better country. We thank you that you give us those longings for our eternal home. Help us not to dismiss those, but help us to trust in you always. Amen. A couple things before we take our offering. First, this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to have your antenna up. I want you to be looking for those glimpses of heaven. Those, those things that remind you of, of God's goodness. It might be in nature. It might be in a sunrise or a sunset. It might be in the look of your children. But, but they're, they're there if we have eyes to see. They're just glimpses. They're not the full. They're just glimpses. But, but I would encourage you to be open to, to seeing this week. Sometimes we don't see them. Sometimes we hear them when a choir sings. When a bird chirps, we can hear the glory of heaven. Now next week, the sermon is gonna be answering a bunch of questions. Will we be angels? What kind of bodies will we have? What are we gonna do in heaven? Those kind of things. So I'd encourage you to come back and I'd encourage you to invite a friend to come with you as well next week. I invite our ushers to come forward as we take our morning offering. As we take our offering this morning, your Connect card, you can place those in the offering plate as well as they come by. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for the goodness that you have given us. And so we now return back to you a portion of those gifts. Use them, Lord, for your kingdom and your glory, we pray. Amen.